Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kaelstrava, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this continued exploration of faith during this time of crisis, and I am joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon, the one, the only, Rodney Whiteman. How are you doing today, sir? Good day to you, Lindsay. I'm doing quite well. I've had some fresh, refreshing outing to Stellenbosch for a meeting of the Archdeaconry Council, um, hosted well by St. Mary's, and also um, had a good meeting with all the lay leaders and the clergy. And also we had, um, uh, I, I came back uh, for a meeting, sorry, for a wedding, so I had that combination before I met with you. So it was really refreshing in terms of the exercise of the sacrament at, at wedding and also the exercise of one's brains at the council meeting. Ah, another week that I gave you the weather report on the ground at the cemetery and no at- funerals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a wedding this time round, brother. We had a wedding this time round. Uh, good times, good uh, times, good and times. And all of you, all of you are okay, and I, I believe. Uh, yes, yes. No, we are, we are well. Um, yeah, we also out in Stellenbosch today. Out at Blauklippen, uh, and impulsive. I, I have these things where I just do like impulsive um, visits to places. Um, we were driving from buying the dog some medicine and the tick and flea things and my wife fell asleep in the car and i was like you know what i could do a do with a bottle of kombucha right now or something and i was like we haven't been to blauklippen market yet so let's let's go visit there and yeah it was a a wonderful little time but that's just a little bit of overshare into my character the impulsive nature of it uh obviously we are on the seventh sunday after the epiphany we're still carrying the theme back to basics rebuilding the family but this week we are focusing on developing growing relationships within the family i have one question for you my kids are still quite small um i'm starting to develop like a relationship with my daughter um, as she ages into like her own character um, we're very similar the way we think. Uh, what kind of relationships have you forged with, with your kids? I think um, the, the foundational relationships such as um, when they were um, before school going age, I still remember that I would lay on the floor with them in the house in the Macoland um, and at Mitchell's Plain when they were small on my chest. That's um, my bonding with them. And then um, taking them to school and fetching them as well. We, we, I, ta- I, I taught them in that process how to say the morning prayer mm. out of the prayer book with me. So um, that was, yeah, we speak about all kinds of things. I needed to learn how to plait hair, which I still am lost at. Um, and, um, but also then to see how the one, the younger one is a little bit more extroverted. Mm-hmm. She's able to make her voice known. And the other one is more, much more introverted and withdrawn from life, which I hope she wouldn't be. Um, so when they get into this age, you know, now the time is, you know, you don't, you don't get into our business. <laughs> we invite you. <laughs> but I think mother has a little bit more in, 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 in invitations than I have. I have a little bit of intrusive style, so I think the girls are a little bit more cautious with me. But um, yeah, so so I think talking about adult stuff now, and also now that I'm heading for for retirement years, yeah. there's this thing that they are more protective over me and my yeah. wife. So yeah, the roles have changed and the conversation changes. Um, but I don't. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I've missed out anything per se. I suppose. Look, they both don't have boyfriends, and I suppose they'll chastise me if they hear me having said this. <laughs> but it would have been interesting to know how I would have reacted if they've had um, if they've had uh, that kind of relationships, and see how you know what impact that has on family life. Um, 
and on relationships. So it does change with the phases of life, with their experiences, and and sometimes they just decide that their inner world is more important to themselves than to their parents. So they don't always open up. I'm a little bit more open. I, I can't raise any, any subject, but there's subjects that are very uh, shaky to them. They won't just engage me on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you you know, sometimes you're not even aware of it. You just uh, go through the motion, I suppose. And, and I don't know how conscious we are supposed to be about every moment of every day of every thing. And, you know, do we do we necessarily take notice of everything? And I suppose we don't, um, mm. you know. So do we miss things out um, when we're not too attentive? The other things we've not been, uh, so they maybe withdraw. I don't know, you know, it's um, a a family life and relationships are a fragile business and hard work. But it is a joy because, I mean, can you imagine? I can't imagine myself without them. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, it's it's one of those things I I was speaking to someone speaking to me. I forget. But it's like, oh, I saw a comment. uh, Someone shared something on, on Instagram today where... It was like, remember that person before you were a parent. That person is important. And my answer to that is always, that person is dead. That person died the moment you chose to have children. Like, your life transforms so much that you can't even reference the time, the person you were before. At least my experience is you can't reference Mm -hmm. the person you were before. I think when you sit down and want to do your memoirs, maybe then you'll have some recall. We are far too busy now in terms of where you are in your phase of living. You mm. know, you have to make a living and all that kind of thing. So the past is not something we, we readily recall. The past visits us regularly in moments of the present. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it is a similar face to it when, when we do make the time to stop and smell the coffee. But we don't often sit down and think about it. I often have this thought, though, um, when I think of the path I chose to walk with the people that are in my life now, then I wonder sometimes if I had made a different choice at that um, intersection, what would life have been had I gone that way? And why wouldn't I? Why didn't I choose that way? And wondered what it'd be. Sometimes my mind's caught up in that. And then I said, like I said today to myself, would I want to change anything? And and the answer to me immediately came, well, no, I wouldn't want to change anything. Yeah, my my thing is always I try and live as far as possible with zero regrets. Um, so every life choice, like I've, I've, I think I've articulated around this podcast before, that every life choice that I've had has brought me to this point. And if I'm not happy with where I am right now, then it's about making different choices moving forward, but you can't like undo the choices that you've made that brought you here. No, absolutely you can't. And and there's no way back to that place either. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, Yeah, we will continue this conversation within the liturgy, uh, but if you could please call us together with a collective prayer. So for this Sunday, my brothers and sisters, again, the um, liturgy, the prayers on, on your screens. If you follow good after good day to you, um, greeting you on the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, after Epiphany. Let us pray. Merciful Lord, you have taught us through your Son that love is the fulfilling of the law. Grant that we may love you with our whole heart and our neighbors as ourselves. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And the collect we've been journeying with throughout of the month of February, addressing back to basics, um, rebuilding family life, is this prayer. And we pray together. Loving Lord, we thank you for your love so freely given to us all. We pray for families around the world. Bless the work of the Mother's Union as we seek to share your love through the encouragement, strengthening and support of marriage and family life. Empowered by your spirit, may we be united in prayer and worship 
and in love and service, reach out as your hands across the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, as always, the prayers and the choice verses from the readings are in the podcast description. So if you go, you are obviously in your podcast app. Um, Just go to where it shows the description and everything will be there for you so you can follow along. And the first reading is from Proverbs 31. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Um, I, uh, I'll i say I am blessed. <laughs> I'm sure that yeah, will warm absolutely. your heart. Um, I am blessed. With a, <laughs> I have a wonderful companion um, as my wife. Uh, she is truly my best friend. Um, we have grown stronger our relationship has grown our friendship has grown over the years through all the trials and tribulations mostly the trials from my part (laughs) and (laughs) tribulations actually (laughs) she's endured a lot um but yeah it's it's this idea of like working as with your partner um be it a wife be it a husband be it whatever with your partner like just structuring your life to include each other as far as possible i i will always say is the most important part of building that kind of relationship um what 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 would you say how do you approach your marriage your your relationship your interpersonal connection your friendship um with with your wife I think that that is a very key thing because a lot of the excitement in your initial years, your courtship years and the initial years when you're starting to build the the relationship in marriage and, you know, as you grow, as you grow a little bit along the way, you begin to realize that if there's no friendship, if there was no friendship at the beginning, then you're going to find it very hard to build friendship uh, with each other when you grow older. You see, the conversations must not die. The spending time in each other's presence without words necessarily are things we need to cherish. They are the moments that, that build us up. Sitting at the table and talking over a cup of coffee uh, is are all the important things and not just talking about things the eye has seen but talking about things that's on the heart and the mind the thoughts that uh, engage us in our inner world Um, if if there's no none of that happening if that friendship has been built into the equation at the beginning then we will not know what to talk about as we grow older so I think um, Although there is still, you know, getting somebody to be part of our lives, our inner world, feels almost like an intrusion on one level. Uh, But on the other level, that that sense of vulnerability is so important because we cannot grow if there's no sense of vulnerability uh, shared between us. And and I always take take, um, uh, uh, the, the rider from one of my uh, seniors who has since gone on to the Lord, and I must acknowledge him, Bishop Charles Albertine, who just opened my eyes to the passage in Genesis when he said, um, when after it was said that the man and the woman shall, the man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then it says, and the man and the, and the woman were both naked and unashamed. Mm. And I think that for me is what we need to work at. Once the leaving and the cleaving and the one flesh has happened and there's a a way in which it continues to happen maturely, we must now be vulnerable enough to stand one another and not be ashamed that we took one another in the first place as we grow older. So that's sort of my take on what you have referred to in terms of how do we integrate each other into our lives and particularly that there's a friendship that we still have to work at. 
Yeah, definitely. I I think a lot of times it it kind of gets lost in the everyday like the the thing that is our lives, you know, you get caught up in the the school runs and your individual jobs and like how much there was an interesting question that was trending for all the wrong reasons on Twitter um, in the week. It was like, what do women bring to the table? Or like, what does your wife bring to the table? What do you as a person bring to like the relationship table? And um, one of the responses was brilliant. It was like, did you see your wife's transformation during pregnancy and childbirth? What she brings to the table is her life. Um, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's wow. always been, yeah, I I think, I was reflecting on it with with a newly with a new father. Um, I think mm. his daughter is like maybe two months old now, um, and I was asking him how he looks at his wife now after seeing her go through childbirth, after seeing her transform into like a mother. And I don't think it had struck him yet um, how much she has changed and how much his outlook has changed. But it, it struck me quite early on where. Um, she just grew, money grew in her beauty, or at least her appeal to me, like just strengthened, um, because of of that transformation. And and I think it was more out of respect for just how much women offer up to grow families, you know. Yeah, I I you know that's why I chose that reading not only to 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 celebrate. The w- woman uh, as he does but to actually also celebrate the, the the parents role in ensuring that they focus on their partners in an inclusive way yeah. as well as on their children um, it is when we include them that we can do things for them when they stand on the outside of us they be they are strangers we can only really know what their true needs are when we include them into our lives, when they're in our hearts. Um, uh, the heart of a husband trusts in you know, that inner expression of, mm. of love. You know, and of course, for me, that's, that whole thing is about mystery lived. Um, we, 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 I, I can't describe it, but I can certainly believe, I certainly believe that we're given the gift to live it, um, as uh, as you know. I I certainly believe that I've that is the the gift that God gives us to live mystery with each other. Mm. Mm. That's also one of those things where <laughs> uh, another thing about about my character. I'm revealing so much lately. Um, is that I enjoy the idea of trying new things. And I hate when I don't have any experience in a situation. So it's like right now in my head, I'm loathing the fact that <laughs> that I don't know what it feels like to like romantically love a man to know like what that kind of dynamic is in that context. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I suppose in a very real way, when we categorize things, mm. you know, because at, at the end of the day, if I just say man, yeah. well, man, for example, in the Bible was an inclusive term, but then in English, it becomes a gender issue. Yes. Uh, it means masculine rather than an inclusive. So you have to put on another word such as mankind and some people that don't like mankind so they choose humankind yes you know i what did adam what the story of adam and eve said something very brilliant when his eyes fell on the 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 person now that he sees in front of him unlike the animals he says bone of my bone flesh of my flesh yeah he recognizes um, a partner he recognizes, he sees himself in a mirror. Mm. So, so when we when we do that, then we see a human being, and in that we see our own humanity. However, 
there is that so so i'm giving sort of scope to 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 those who who who, who have the 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 sentiment in themselves not the, not the sentiment but the sense of their sexuality in response to a same-sex yeah. relationship uh so i would understand the the humanity there mm. uh, like i would understand that in the heterosexual relationship too uh, there is the difference in that when we are in heterosexual relationships it's a male female there is that dynamic in it yeah um so so okay so there may be difference but um when somebody was asked this question he said to the people who asked him and he was a pastor in the in the in the baptist church uh where they don't talk these things and yeah. he said the way you feel about a woman is how i feel about a man Mm. And that's the short answer that he gave, you know. And I, I remember being asked also when, when uh, about you know what's so unattractive about a man that you can't uh, find him attractive, yeah, simply because he's a man. So those kind of things one had to rethink the whole area of attractions. I mean, mm. I think generally we 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 are attractive beings and we are attracted. To each other for various reasons. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. But I mean, like, I think I, I frame it in the box of like, I know the social pressures that I've been exposed to because of my masculine um, gender. I, yeah. I I'm aware of. Oh, uh, and like most men have similar experiences. Like you don't you you hardly date outside of like your social framework um, yeah. if you will although that is a gross generalization and i apologize for that uh, my vocabulary just kind of failed me at that point <laughs> um so so yeah like having that kind of relationship the relationship that i have with with my wife um relating on that level with with a man who's gone through a lot of the same kind of maybe psychological turmoil um, that I've also been exposed to uh, uh, changes the dynamic a little bit. Like I have no idea what it's like to be a woman, to exist inside of a woman's body and all of the feelings and social pressures that come alongside that. Yeah. And of course that very statement in for me is then the, the uh, it brings up the other thing therefore how dare we even judge if we yes. don't know yes no we assume we know but we don't know and i think that in the context of this conversation where we're talking about um the the growing family growing relationships developing growing relationships within the family um it that that is an important thing where i you see yourself i see myself relating to my kids if my kids do something that upsets me my first instinct is to get like really upset because they didn't think or act or react the way that i wanted them to but then it's always like i've trained myself to step back and say okay cool was this person equipped for the situation um in the case of my kids did i equip them with the skills have i exposed have i do i know if they've been exposed to the situation before was there any way that i could have predicted their reaction to it uh because yeah we, we do it so often that we don't consider a universe where another person doesn't think like us <laughs> Yeah, and of course, whatever we taught our children and whatever we were taught when we were growing up, the context we face uh, on how to deal with that is often not the same when we were taught that. Yeah. So now you've got to think on your feet. And so your responses your would not be the same. Your behavior would not be the same necessarily because we are not machines. Yeah. We we have to give space to the fact that the other, in their growing, 
is is growing because they they learned how to interpret what is in front of them, what the new context is, in order to say what then can I do based on what I was taught and what I, you know, where are the similarities here. So we were we were to teach our children then how to live contextually mm. with what they what they are um, taught, so that they are not they're not living their lives in a kind of a um, how would one put this now? You know, they they're not living. They don't want to live their lives where they are like you know, mommy and daddy said it must be like this. Yeah. And therefore, you know, now we've got to honor them when we listen to the context they were faced with mm. and produced what they needed to produce in that context. Yeah, yeah. I I wish more people would. <laughs> would just take that critical step back when they feel that anger rising and be like, okay, fine. This, like, this is a, a unique being. This is a different person with different motivations. Um, how do we, yeah, just have a little bit of empathy for that kind of perspective. Uh, but moving on to the gospel and the reading from Romans chapter 12, Paul's letter to the Romans, um, and the gospel is according to Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. So the gospel is a continuation of the Sermon of the Mount. So this on the Mount, this is Jesus kind of laying down his philosophies, his, the founding philosophies of Christianity. But in the reading, Paul is mirroring, in my view at least, mirroring what Jesus has said. Um, and he is kind of doing his own spin on it. And you see, like, because he was, he was of the, the, the Pharisee, was he not? Yep. Yes. So you start to see that kind of, that Hellenistic kind of view coming through where, um, I, it's the first point that we need to actually digest is, do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and is perfect. Uh, so also the context of the audience that he is addressing here. So like these were a group of Jews, Hebrews, who were in mostly in um, Rome. Yeah. And they didn't, have the luxury of having Jesus like walking through their streets, you know, so they accepted Christianity without seeing the Christ, only knowing, only learning of the works that happened, everything that had happened. Um, and then you have like someone who had a full transformation in his life, walked alongside Christ and is now trying to relay a message that just to kind of solidify the idea of Christianity. Uh, am I on the right track to say, to see the subtext of like how these two passages talk to each other? I have no doubt in my mind that Paul was influenced by um, the message of the gospel. Although he hadn't met Christ in the way the disciples did, he certainly did meet Christ in terms of the road to Damascus experience. Yeah. And, all of what he had already learned um, through his trans through his formation as a Pharisee, with its very con conservative and strict uh, measure of the law, yeah. uh, with with Christ now engaging his inner being and his sense of who Christ is, he could interpret that in in a closer way to perhaps what God was actually meaning when the law was given. Uh, what we find here in Romans, what I find here in Romans, is that you're given a rule of life to live by. Love one another warmly, especially love must be sincere. But the, the, the precursor to that is um, who God is, which, which celebrates God, God's, God is great of mercy, the first verse tells us. And then, right Closer to the end of the, the the gospel, be merciful just as your father is merciful. So it all goes around, how do we understand God? 
how or how is God revealed if at all we can understand God but the 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 the, the sense of the attribute of God being merciful now if order to live this this life this this code this rule of life that in a very real way could change the world to the better could change where you are living in the diaspora and make you in being able to understand the differences and being able to meet it with gentleness rather than judgment offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to god uh, dedicated to service pleasing to him and then um whilst there are standards that people are forcing you to live by think think deeply about that uh, because there is a higher calling for you the transforming work of god in your life now you come to this rule um to love one another as warmly so for me it's it is sort of brings in what the gospel celebrates about jesus and then how in 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 committing your way to the lord you develop then a a a code of life that helps you live transformatively mm. and not conformatively because in a in a really real, real way i've often found that the ideas in the world uh is about conformity um you must fill in this form and conform to what the bank wants you to do you can't it they call it a personal loan but you have no say how that loan works yeah. it's a product that's offered you all you've got to do is if you understand it all sign on the dotted line and once you do that you no longer in control of your own money of that loan and of your life because mm. you enter into the systems that the world offers you but that conformity can enslave you god wants us to live transformatively So whilst we have to live within that conformed spaces of the world we can live transformedly within them so so that we are not our hopes are not placed on them yeah um you know what i mean so so i think that that for me is you know who god is i now see the benefit of knowing that god is like at there for i offer myself to god and now i look not as a slave to the standards of the world and I look and say there's something more to life than what standards can offer me and that's what Jesus comes to offer us and i think that's where paul um sort of this passage gels very beautifully with the gospel reading today yes i am going to say something now though <laughs> i was today years old <laughs> when when i figured out that there is an important difference between apostles and disciples cuz i yes, somehow always thought that paul actually had physical exposure to jesus no <laughs> <laughs> uh you missed that sunday school class my brother yes i did and i missed it throughout <laughs> all of my research and yeah i i i i claim my ignorance <laughs> Yeah. Uh but I mean all of us are, you know, I in in just listening to you that came to my mind about how did he engage Jesus in order to be able to speak about Jesus as he did. So yeah. So uh, that's very interesting Lindsay and um I hope that that what what ha- what ha- ha- happens then because you see maybe you you made and you made a statement earlier that I also caught and I didn't respond to you said um these guys in Rome didn't see Jesus walking their streets so Paul who did now shows them yeah and yet Paul himself didn't walk with the 12 disciples yes but he knew the way of Jesus so though even though he hasn't met Lord, the Lord in the way the disciples did his profound encounter with Jesus or Jesus encountering him changed him so profoundly that he's able now to so you remember Jesus said something according to John blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe mm. that was when Thomas came onto the scene and says and I see the wounds I will not believe and as I touch them so so Jesus says when he comes into the room he says here am I touched from Thomas and now we all cast shadows over Thomas and says you doubting yes. no 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 Thomas was real yeah Thomas was real and 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 in some way thomas was teaching us something i think that was very really profound thomas was teaching us that 
our, 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 we want to touch Jesus in a profound way. How he offers himself to us is in ways that are far more deeper than just physical touching. Mm. But from now on, you know, I think I think it's important for me to share with the listeners that everything I have said about Paul in the past is now completely out the window. <laughs> I need to go and reevaluate <laughs> my entire understanding of of Paul's um, <laughs> epistles, uh, and yeah, just reshape my opinions from this new perspective but this is why we are here we are here to learn things about ourselves like uncover our ignorances so i'm going to actually just pivot directly to the gospel because this is like the meaty bits of the sermon where it's like if anyone strikes you on the cheek offer the other also and from anyone who takes away your coat do not withhold even your shirt 2022, this is still very much a controversial statement, especially in a time where people are a lot more inwardly looking and we are all, you know, we, we're just trying to fight over and conserve our own inner peace. And I don't think modern contemporary philosophies about self-care and self-love leave room for this kind of vulnerability. Yeah, let me let me say, whenever that comes up, I, I, we we were exposed to the writing of a guy from America, who wrote a book called the third the third Jesus the third way, mm. and he had reflected a lot of this book on the South African context during apartheid times. Yeah. Because it relates very much to the apartheid that went on with Rome and all those that were living in enslavement to them. So when when Jesus taught that, he was teaching a very radical way of those who, because they thought they had power, abused it. Mm. So, for example, let's take the coat. If you were asked by a soldier... To now carry all of his stuff from point A to point B. Mm. Now he would say the law says I've stipulated to carry it one mile. You say now I'm going to carry it two miles. He's in trouble if he now sees you going the second mile with him. Because he's going to be now ashamed because if he's found out, he'll be guilty of breaking the law himself. Yes. And abuse of power. So Jesus was saying... Okay, so you want me to carry it one mile? I will do that. When somebody slaps you, it's normally with your with the forehand slap. Mm. But if they if they slap you on the other cheek, they can only do that with a backhand. That gathers a sense of the insulting now to backhand somebody is far more uh, uh, atrocious. I mean, the insults that you are now. Yeah. in public dispersing on the persons. So Jesus' third way was teaching them how, how, they can, how they can radicalize the position for themselves and put to shame those who will abuse the law. And then those who abuse the law will have an opportunity to say, you know, I shouldn't even have asked that person to carry it for one mile. Mm. That I'd be ashamed. So it's a way of putting shame onto those and to say just how silly these laws are that keep enforcing um, used by force to empower people and to, to make to make others feel weaker and subordinate to them just because you want to mm. Mm. so 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 um, I must just get uh, the, 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 I don't know how widely spread the book still is but it was something that we had read and and had reflected on deeply when we were uh, in, being engaged uh, when it came to the how do we in a non-violent way you know that that non-violent way that Martin Luther had been teaching yeah how do we engage the government in such a way that mm. was really why we, we, that was introduced to us and it was a very valuable tool I must say yeah definitely uh, but yeah I I jive to pretty much everything um, that 
Jesus lays down here. Like these are the, the central tenets of Christianity that I am very happy to have my children uh, be exposed to, which is do to others as you would have them do to you. Um, love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure. Press down, shaken together, running shaken over, together. will be put into your lap. All these things are great, fantastic ways to live your life. But importantly, in here, this do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Like a lot of people like to think of that quite literally where um, then they get surprised when <laughs> they don't actually get treated this way like like in, in real life. Uh, but I think it's more a reflection of the energy that you put out into the world. So if you treat people with kindness, like there is no reason for that person to not treat you with with kindness. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's not like it's not like a a kind of transaction that you're doing with the universe where it's like hey i'm a yes. good person why are bad things happening to me <laughs> happening yeah happening to me so yeah i i think a lot of people kind of conflated conflate the two situations yeah i think for me in the context of the reading it goes again to that measure i remembered Bishop Patrick Mathalengwe, who was one of the bishops that I was privileged to work with in the Diocese of Cape Town. And I remembered I was in, I was in a, a talk to him about one of my colleagues whom we had discovered was racist in his ways, you know. Mm. And we had pointed this out to the bishop as not after the ure noch young priests i mean i was very young so i was still in my 20s yeah. but i was i was strangely fanatical about exposing racism with justice and he said to me rod we can't you see this ring on my finger i can exercise justice but i cannot exercise it judgment i but i cannot exercise it without mercy yeah and that verse 36 in the gospel, be merciful as your father is merciful, seems to stand the, the, as, the, as, the, as, the, as the, the, the informing, informing text of all the other uh, things that Jesus says. So, we, so if we judge, sometimes the judgment is, is without mercy. We want the person who's perpetrated the issue to be punished. And some to the extent of harshness and our, our sentiments of people is that I can't even tolerate that person in my sight. Mm. When we condemn too, you know, um, I know this, this, this thing of the condemning beats me because I, I find, for example, the harshness of, of, of the churches who now claim that they've got God's way on their side and that those of us part of the, the traditional churches have we, we've lost our way mm. and 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 i i would say because you see they claim to be on scripture now this is where they lose it they claim to be on scripture we say scripture together with tradition and the sacrament is important scripture cannot be all on its own because then you are not taking the historicity of the text in 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 its in its in, in and the gift that that offers so that the message to us becomes contextual because you've taken serious its context its historicity and every other um, aspect that we need to take in account when we read the literature of scripture particularly in a worship setting and we realize that if we we don't take it if we don't do that, we just take it rawly and think we stand on scripture, we are running ourselves into the ground. We are losing the essence of what uh, God wants us to learn through the scriptures. But you see, it's now God said this to you. This is God's personal message to you. And so we lose it. Jesus 
according to Luke, was not just speaking to individuals. He was speaking to build community. Yeah. That's what this is about. It's about building community. Can you imagine living in a community where we do know we have enemies, but in that community, those who follow Jesus must love those that are at enmity with them. Mm. That's how they ought to be living. They not to be uh, those who are at judgment with them and, and, and hostile towards them. So for me, you know, we're living in the world alongside each other. Jesus is teaching us how to do that mm. with, without breaking down that, that other. Love will win the other. Love will bring healing to the woundedness of the other. Even if they choose not to have the faith I have, that's not for me the, 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 the criteria. The criteria is that I'm got, I've, got to, I've got to exemplify what Jesus is teaching me. And through exemplifying what he's teaching me, I'm witnessing to him. Those who choose to embrace that, uh, him then through that, that's on them. Those who say, no, I, I identify with, with what he's teaching, but I'm not so sure about him. Okay, that's up to you. I'm not there to condemn or judge you. Yeah. But I'm there to practice what, what he has taught us in terms of the societal life I have to live alongside you. Yeah, no, I feel that. And uh, there's, there's an interesting trend happening in the technology space, bizarrely, um, where because we in this moment where like the pace of innovation has just picked up so much and there's like a lot of similar technologies taking root, um, especially in like the financial services industry um, with different payment methods and all that sort of stuff. But there's a there's a culture of collaboration evolving where the CEOs of these companies are reaching out to each other because they're facing all the same regulationary pressures um, and they can't change that on their own. So they like forming communities, reaching out to government, like talking about ways of moving the country forward, moving the economy forward with all the new digital tools. Um, but yeah, it's less competition and more understanding that like you all in the same cesspool. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, only way you're you. going to climb out is if you like form a ladder, <laughs> you know? I hear you. Mm. I hear you. Um, yeah, look, again, I think I'm, I'm pretty much challenged by the understanding that um, we, uh, we are in it all together. There's yeah. no other way around that. And, and if that is what, it, what, what, what is all about, then it means that um, we then have to make things work for us. Um, for the common, those words are so crucial at all times, for the common good. Mm. How do we, you know, do things for the common good? And I think that for me is, uh, the challenge we all have. Um, if I'm doing this only for myself, then what am I really doing? Um, is that I'm actually breaking down um, the world if I do not seek to do things that would be for the benefit of everybody, even though you and I may not believe in the same things. We must find common ground between us. Mm. We must find um, between us what will benefit everyone uh, uh, together. I think that's what, what, what will make the world the place we want it to be people will then in their way discover um, uh, the kind of things that needs to be discovered whether we believe the same or not and I think that's a crucial thing for me how do I build a world with you when we are so different 
And this text gives us the the understanding that we can actually build a world um, that in which we are able to um, sustain if we build it um, in such a way that it's going to benefit everybody. Mm. Isn't it the world that God wants us to have? I think it's the I world think... that John Lennon imagined, where you imagine that there is no heaven. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> it's easy if you try. Um, no mm. hell below us, above us, only sky. <laughs> imagine we could yeah. all work together as one, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I, look, I, I think that that you need dreamers. You need dreamers yes. <laughs> who are going to give us insights because I think why he's such an important reference point is because um, he helped us to think far more deeper about the things we took so much for granted. Uh, you know, even 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 although the traditions of our faith are there, we we stray. We are influenced. We 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 we, we are stagnant, um, and you need somebody that's going to wake you up. I mean, what else has woken up uh, uh, um, the people? Is not so much just for me. There is no the uh, imagine there is no heaven. Is when he said he was more famous than Jesus Christ. I had to reflect deeply on that. Mm. I couldn't. I couldn't just condemn him, but Lenin wouldn't have said things if he wasn't thinking deeply. He was a dreamer, and we need dreamers yeah. to wake to wake us up because we do get into a slumber about many many things, including our faith. Mm. Um, you see, we want to argue about our faith because we don't live the faith. Yes. Um, this is the, the central problem I have with liberals uh, nowadays. I, I do identify on, on the more liberal side of the left, um, but you see so many people who do not, who claim the same things, who claim to believe the same things, but they don't love the values um, that they are expressing. And and I think that for me is why we do need, maybe in his way he was beyond a dreamer, he was a prophet. <laughs> Uh, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, Look, but, we, we, yeah. we only know what he wrote, but we didn't know what was going on in his inner world. This is true. This is true. There has been a fantastic um, insight into kind of his songwriting process. It was on, was it on Apple TV Plus, I think. Um, it's okay. Just charting the, the Beatles, um, the... I can't remember which album it was, uh, but it's like a three-part documentary. Uh, if you do check it out, I'll, I think I'll drop a link um, in the in the okay. podcast description. But thank you very much. This has been a very enlightening conversation. I think the main takeaway for me is that I need to <laughs> go reevaluate my analysis of the word apostle <laughs> and of the works of Paul. Um, and I will reconnect with you next week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Father you have some personal developments happening this week. Yes, uh, Tuesday I go in for a rapid test of a COVID. Wednesday I go in for colonoscopy and gastroscopy uh, to take out before the doctor decides on the operation for the hernia. Mm. Repair two hernias in my abdominal area. So yes, I value the thoughts and prayers of, of all of you. Um, for that process. Yeah, the best of luck to you, sir. Thank you very much. 